Welcome to The Breadwinners. I'm Jennifer Owens. I'm Rachel Ellison. This is the show where we talk about, uh, you know, whatever the heck we want to talk about, which is mostly work life. (laughs) (laughs) All the things that impact at the office, at the home office, and at the home. All the things. Which is basically the same place now for us all. Exactly. (laughs) As I say... When I was advocating for this, it wasn't that I was saying we all have to work from home all the time, every day, you know, that wasn't the plan. The plan was flexibility, but we'll not go down that rabbit hole. Please follow us on all of the socials. The Breadwinners is everywhere. And we have merch, right? We do. We have merch. You can. I always make you talk about the merch. (laughs) (laughs) Pick up a mug, the sweatshirts. (laughs) There's lots of stuff you can pick up to show that you are a breadwinner and you listen to this show. Because, you know, people won't know you're a breadwinner unless you wear items of clothing that say breadwinner. (laughs) (laughs) People just think you're just, you know, walking around not winning bread. And you want people to know. Guard. Dang it. Some bread. I'm making this bread happen. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you are taking the mic. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to relax. I'm going to relax my eyes. And please do. (laughs) All right. So as I started to say before we started recording, today we are talking about working moms, the evolution of working moms on TV. Woohoo. And... We haven't done so many of these episodes where we're doing this new format before. It's still new. But this is the hardest one that I've ever had to do because there is so much. There is so much to look at. I was saying, or I was thinking to myself, someone out there, someone in the breadwinner universe sphere must have written an amazing doctoral thesis. Oh my God. Yeah. About how women have, working mothers specifically, have been portrayed on TV and how that's evolved over time. So I am apologizing in advance to that person for, and I would also love to hear from that person if there's someone you know who's written on this topic. There's so much here that. Because we would have you back. I, we were not have you back because we would have you on cause, and we have would. this topic back. Because it's oh, already, yeah. I'm fascinated. We haven't even started. And I'm immediately thinking that the people who majored in radio, TV, film at my college, you know, somebody did this, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, but, you know, what I'm going to talk about here is kind of walking us through the chronology of working moms on TV and where we were and where we are now. It's been an interesting journey. It's been a very interesting journey. So I have my theories about how it's evolved. Mm. And we're gonna we're gonna dive in. All right. One thing that I will say about myself is that I'm a big, I am a TV buff. I do love my TV. So I have seen some of these shows, not all of these shows, but I have educated myself. So the first show that we're going to talk about, Jennifer, yes, is a show called One Day at a Time. <gasps> this is it. <laughs> I don't even know this song. I don't know this song. It's a show that's actually been revived yes. in 21. But it's Just a- right from the get-go, the theme music is even better. 
And I sing this theme song to myself all the freaking time when I start to get stressed. <laughs> Keep on doing what you do. Hold on tight. We'll muddle through one day at a time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, every time, um, every time I've been sort of thinking about the this episode and I've been working on the the stuff behind the scenes, all that comes into my head is the facts of life theme song. <laughs> so but one day at a time was a really interesting. So so let's set the context a little bit. So when we think about one day at a time was premiered in 1975. So okay. we look at the decades before that and what women were like on TV, specifically working mom, or specifically moms. Yeah. Right. So we're talking about like we can start with Lucille Ball, right? Like Lucille Ball was a housewife, but she also kind of had a an ambition to be right to be in show business and she had some ambitions. But I would say for the most part, we're really looking at like a June Cleaver persona. We're really looking at women who were in the home and didn't work. There started to be in the 60s women who worked, but they were not with child like Mary Tyler Moore. And like, you know, there were there were images of working professional women, but none of them had kids. Right. So that wasn't combined. So when we think about one day at a time, this is kind of a second wave feminism story, right? Yeah. So it's Anne Romano is divorced from an absentee ex. She relocates uh, herself and her two teen daughters to Indianapolis, where she builds an entirely new professional and familial life. Already an interesting choice. And what a, wonder why they picked Indianapolis. But anyway. You know? Yeah, it is interesting to me. I don't know why they picked these. Very pretty city, I must say. As someone who's only driven past it, it looks very pretty. But no, I've okay. been. I've been. Yeah, it's um. No, it's a good spot. It's a good spot. So it was pretty. So the what the critics say was that at the time, I wasn't sentient at the time. I don't know what people were saying, but. Stop it. I was, and I watched it as a child. (laughs) Well, it was eyebrow raising is basically because there were were topics in addition to the premise being unconventional for TV, you know, as we hadn't seen working mothers portrayed that way. They also tackled rape, menopause. All the Norman Lear topics, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This is the era of, well, it, it's going to, I think this, not quite yet. This is the issue episodes era, but then it morphs into a very special different strokes, you know, right. <laughs> that comes right. exactly. exactly. <laughs> so there you go. So that had kind of an interesting arc. She moves, she has her girls, um, she's raising her girls. They have families of their own, and then she moves to London to be an advertising executive. I understand. Is that right? Oh, I had long stopped watching it by that point. Oh, that's great. Right. So, yeah. Oh, do we know? Am I going too deep? What what was her profession? I just knew because I watched it as a kid. I liked Valerie Bertinelli and Mackenzie Phil. You know, like I. I was not watching it in 1975 as you're like, oh my God, look at Anne Romano. I cared about the kids, but right. and, but my mom was Anne Romano, you know, 
Sure. But what was her profession? Well, she ended up in advertising. Oh, okay. She started. She was just sort of... A working mom. A working mom. Yeah. Again, I'm sure the person who wrote the thesis knows. (laughs) Yeah, everything, single thing. I'm going to be peppering you with way too many deep questions. All the things. Got it. But so then we move from, from one day at a time. So that's 1975 to 1984. 1982, we have family ties. And Elise Keaton, played by Meredith Baxter Burney, was was an architect. Huh. Yeah. So they had, you remember that family? I totally do. Again, only watching it for Alex P. Keaton. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. So that. This is why I don't know important things. It's because I, I can pull up these facts. Immediately, Alex P. Keaton and uh, Mallory. And then there, what what was the kid's name? The blonde. It does not matter. But it doesn't matter because I can't remember right now. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners are like, duh. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So can't I remember? I remember her face like the back, but don't remember it. So, yes. So then we had. We Her name was Jennifer. Was, I really related oh to Oh, my God. I, oh, stop the presses. Tina Yothers, her name was Jennifer Keaton. How did Jennifer I not know that? Keaton. Nice. Okay. Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. So they had a kind of existence that was the most, to me, that was a very familiar kind of family dynamic, what they yeah. had. So that was Elise Keaton, but she didn't get as much attention as a kind of feminist icon as a show that started in 1984, which has become, because of its namesake, has become a matter of of scandal. But, But the Cosby Show... Yes. The Cosby Show was just groundbreaking and every I think of her as a working mom. I you know when you said Elise Keaton, I don't remember her being a working mom. Not I just it didn't resonate. The professional life of Mrs. Cosby. Yeah. Claire was yes. Well Claire was so front and center. It was yeah, of course. And it's like that's her persona is mom and lawyer. Right. Exactly. Wife and, you know, all and friend and sister, whatever, but um, mom and lawyer. Right. Exactly. And she had, she had, I'm going to send you this and we'll post it in the, in the notes for this episode. But there's a great scene where Claire Huxtable is talking to her daughter's boyfriend and he's. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We uh it's a little bit of a longer scene, but she's she's talking to her daughter's boyfriend and he comes and he says to her, you know, she says, "Elvin, do you want a cup of coffee?" And he says, "I didn't think you did that." <gasps> she said, "Did what?" And he said, "Bring your husband coffee." And she was like, "Let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm not bringing him coffee. I'm not serving him coffee. I'm bringing him coffee." And, you know, it was just, it was this whole kind of feminist speech about, about bringing coffee. Meanwhile, Bill Cosby's covering his face with his hands and just like watching her 
you know, to school him and whatever, yeah. but it, it's a good scene, but she's really the icon. She changed the game okay. for everyone around, around. Do you see what this video is called though? Claire Huxtable's feminist rant. This yeah. is why words matter. Yeah. Now it is posted by a woman. So right. maybe, you know, like we, we can, we can own rant, but you know, watch it. Also, uh, fellow Owens, actor Jeffrey Owens. I've always loved him because he's also an Owens, too. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. Owens. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So, so okay. So we had the Cosby show. Seriously, this could, this could, we could be here for <laughs> Yeah, I know. Sorry. 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 I love all these shows. The cover, I like, don't even know where to start. So 1984 to 1988, there was another show. So there started to be this other kind of, narrative kate and Allie were came out oh in, yeah in 1984 these two divorced women who were living together working living with their kids in the same house so that was interesting yeah and then that year also was the start of who's the boss which oh, was yeah. another trope about a divorced woman a divorced advertising executive who later opens up her own ad agency and she hires Tony Michelli, a former baseball player who takes on a job as a live-in housekeeper to give his daughter a better life. <laughs> yes. And you know, the idea of a man working for a female executive who turns business owner. Yeah. Who's divorced. It's pretty groundbreaking. So that. Is multi-generational because Catherine Hellman was the mom, oh, the yeah. grandmom. You know, that's for when we do the um, the rundown of untraditional families, you know, oh, like, yes, because I'm uh, yeah, between Kate and Allie and who's the boss of like choosing how your family looks and works. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. So we also have growing pains that came out during that period of time. Mm -hmm. So growing pains. The mother was a journalist. The father was a stay uh, not a stay at home. He was a psychologist who worked from home. So she, which was is very spot on, I must say. In that journalist, your hours like uh, flex all over the place. I, I have a an old friend from my newspaper days, and I never thought about Drez, how she did it with, she has adult children now, but she was a reporter with me and I was a single woman and you're covering night meetings and you get called, you have to do cop duty where you work until 11 and like your hours are all over the place. And to support that kind of odd scheduling, uh -huh. you need a parent who has a, someone who can kind of run their own schedule. Yeah. So that, 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 you know, kudos to them that that would be like type of, pairing that could work that way. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, well, good to know. Good to have yeah. that, that journalist. I'm just speaking from, I and though I often think about Drez now, who I am still friends with, and she has had a long career doing, uh, she's in corporate PR and crisis communications and stuff, following the path of so many of us in newspapers right out the door. But I think now that, um, that often as a young person, you never think to ask how she's making this work. Like there's a lesson right in front of you and of your next stage. And you never think to ask like, how is Drez doing being married with young kids and making the same thing happen? But it's, you know, I don't know how to tell younger generations to ask. 
you know, right. but you should, because I never did. Yeah. No. So, anywho. Good point. Okay. Moving us, moving us through, moving us along. And mind you that this moment that you're talking about now, this is the rise of Working Mother Magazine and, and talking about yep. things because this is the influence, the influx of women, white women, professional women into the workforce. Correct. So it's interesting that TV is reflecting the fact there's a whole lot of these working women now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very interesting. So we, in this period of time, so 1988, two shows started that were pretty influential. One was Roseanne. Mm, Yeah. Which was portraying a struggling working class family. She worked in a plastics factory and eventually- Then she won the lottery and it was all okay. Right. So that's really the path for us all is that we're going to exactly. win yeah. Exactly. But no, you're completely right. It's the C it's when, you know, not all working moms are architects, you know? Right. <laughs> like exactly. Law firm lawyers. Yeah. It's yeah. Right. So then the other show that came out during that time was, and Uh-oh. I just sent you a link, was <gasps> Murphy Brown. Yes. So Murphy Brown was the career woman of the 80s. There's really never been anyone quite like her in the same way. So she became a single mom by choice on that show. And that really pissed off. Can you tell us? Tell us. Oh, my God. The lead of this article for the New York Times in... 2018. So this they're looking back at this. Oh, this was a question on the front page of the New York Times. Is Murphy Brown really a tramp? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Dan Quayle, basically, our former vice president, basically looked, who didn't they also have trouble spelling potato? Or banana? Tomato. It? it was tomato. He, um, the tomato. little kid um, in elementary school wrote it on a chalkboard. Like, you know, he was there visiting the school and he told him he, he spelled it wrong and put an E on the end. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yep. So he thought Murphy Brown was against kind of family values. So he was, he spoke out against it and it caused a whole ruckus, but um, she was, she was incredibly groundbreaking. So after yeah. that, we had, and there, there are a lot of different shows. Again, person writing thesis, please jump in and, and give us some more. But there were also, there was um, in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Aunt Viv was a professional woman who, um, her husband was a judge, but she had a PhD and she was, yeah, she was, she was doing that. Then we're jumping ahead a little bit to to 1998 to the shows Sex in the City and Friends who they both had characters who ended up becoming parents and reluctantly <laughs> uniting with the father of their child but it was a it was a very <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah kind of unique i don't know there was something like very symbolic about the baby coming, but you didn't get a sense of what motherhood was about. Yeah. It was about the pregnancy. It was about, Oh my God, I'm pregnant. And 
oh my God, there's a baby. Like, yeah, I yeah. agree. It was about, well, because it was oriented towards the woman. Right. Not towards the kid in any way, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And then we also had, and this came up in, in the research. So we also had in 1999, Judging Amy, mm-hmm. a judge who got, she got divorced and moved in with her mom. <clears throat> and <laughs> I think that's the, only the cool kids do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she had a daughter and she was, she was raising her in this kind of unconventional dynamic. But it's interesting to me. Which, that when- by the way, it's totally conventional. That's how everyone was doing it for a very long time before we made it unconventional. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So that is that takes us to the 21st century, but that that's kind of our our arc. So we've got these themes of like we've got it's hard to kind of track all of them, right? We've got this feminine these feminist messages. Right. Because we're breaking through, right? We have to we have to say that this is important, right? Right. As opposed to just being part of life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot to say. There's a lot more to say about this era, but we're going to move, we're going to move us on. All right. But first I think we'll take our first ever ad break. This is very exciting. And we're back. (laughs) And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. We're very, very happy to to be able to to dive back into this TV history of working moms with you. So we have just taken ourselves from 1975 to into the year 2000, and we are now hitting the first show that I'm that I'm mentioning again once we start going into the 21st century it's pretty hard to keep track of how many yeah. people are just working moms yeah people are just working moms but we can point to some trends so okay. we will point to some trends so the first one who point away get your finger out and start pointing i'm pointing away <laughs> the first one who came up is on Grey's Anatomy um, Miranda Bailey, who she taught, she was the chief of surgery. Oh yeah. Or she was in line to be the chief of surgery. She, she was essentially like a, a mother figure to all of the residents in the hospital. in Seattle. Yes. But she also, she became a biological mother, but she, um, she also contended with infertility. That was an issue that came up on that show, trying to conceive. And then once she had had become a mom, kind of prioritizing her career to some extent um, and not causing some some challenges mm-hmm. in her marriage. So that that was an important one. Yeah. The Office. So The Office had, yeah. they had a Pam who became a mom before she got married, she got pregnant before she got married, which is a little controversial. I, yeah, I'm like trying to, I didn't even remember that there were any babies in the office. Okay. Yeah, towards the end. So she didn't have a baby till 2010. Okay. But she, they did talk a little, talk on that show a little bit about how she and Jim, her husband, were were sharing responsibilities of the kids, what it was like to sleep train, what it was like to 
to have two kids so close together. I think they wrote the first pregnancy in and then she, the actress got pregnant. And so they had the two oh. babies <laughs> very close together. So there was, there were themes about that. So that came up. That's like um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus being pregnant on Seinfeld. And they, they're constantly having her, you know, she'd wear those big oversized clothes in the 90s and with like always carrying like a bag or a portfolio, you know, always trying to hide it. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. Exactly. So then around that time, we also had Friday Night Lights. Were you a Friday Night Lights viewer? No. But, I, you know, it's like one of those things where everyone loved. You know, I'm Gen X. And so when everyone says that they love it, I'm like, nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just admit that. I'll just be honest up front. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really Friday hard being Gen X, by the way. <laughs> what? It's really hard being Gen X because then it also is. it's like you don't want to watch something because you don't, you know you don't want to give it time. I, Brett will also often say, "Well, someone's going to really have to tell me that's great." And then if too many people tell you it's great, you don't want to watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. So Friday Night Lights was a show about a coach who, in a small Texas town, a football coach, and his wife started out, they had a daughter who was like a freshman in high school, and his wife started out not working, and then she her career kind of evolved through the show. She ended up, she went from becoming like the school guidance counselor somehow, not clearly, not with <laughs> with any background to do so. And then she had a baby and then she became a principal. Um, I'm giving away a lot of plot, but <laughs> but she was on at that time. And then there was the good wife that was also on at that time. And both of those characters, so the good wife was about a wife of a politician who had to go back. He was involved in a sex scandal. She went back to her career after taking some time off to raise her kids. And so both of those shows had this kind of like, this is what happens. Like, here are these loyal wives, and then they're rebuilding their careers at a certain time. I don't know. There was yeah, like, like they're forced back into work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that era. Then it really makes like- um, Rock Roseanne so, and, and the, uh, you know, like Claire Huxable. That's what makes them so refreshing is that they, they have to work. It's not a decision. It's they weren't for they just work. You know, Claire takes great pride in her work. And then eventually Roseanne like buys the diner and yeah. it's proud of her work because she runs her own business. Those kind of things where it's like, yeah, where are the working mothers now? You know, like are we then you got the sex in the city where it's like, oh my God, what about me? And uh, you know, then now we now we have to be forced to work because that gives us cover for being a working mother, it really, it, it's quite a take on how differently we view mothers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's very interesting. So around this period of time, there was actually an article that I found that I just sent you. And it was in oh. 2013, it came out. And Gina Davis Yep. who had played Commander-in-Chief and, as as our listeners may know, has built a career um, or built kind of a legacy around promoting women in media and investigating, looking at... Yes. She has a think tank called C. Jane. 
so she, they did a, at that time, there was this interview with Gina Davis and they did an, an interview about kind of what she was finding. Yes. The Gina Davis Institute does, through her C. Jane initiative, cert, will do these every once in a while surveys of all content. You know, where are the women? Right. She looked at 11,000 plus speaking characters, and this is in 2013, and the study showed that 44.3 of the female characters are gainfully employed. Huh. But when they looked at the shows like Law, and it says this in the article, Law and Order SVU, Parks and Recreation, they're wonderful, but they don't have kids at that time in 2013. Interesting. And so at the time... Jennifer Newsom, who directed the documentary Misrepresentation about Women in the Media in 2011, says that when she's looking at those characters, none of them have children. And she said, despite the fact that at the time, 60% of working women are working mothers, mm-hmm. she said that the, when they've tried to put working mothers on TV, at that time, they would hear responses from executives like, well, you know, our focus study group, they weren't comfortable with the mother working so hard, blah, 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 blah. So that's a question. And by the way, it's, uh, and my number is a little dated. It used to be 77% of women with children under 18 work. So, so it, if you're doing 60% of all women, but also it's a higher percentage when you have kids, 77% of them are working. And cross that with, it, this is an old stat I have, I'm pulling out from the dark recesses of my mind, but by 45, 85% of women have kids. It's really a high percentage. So wow. you, you put that all into the morass of where are the working mothers? Right, exactly. That was an interesting kind of development because for some reason, right after that, that article, I don't know if, if everybody, if all these TV producers were listening, but then all of a sudden, Leslie Nope has triplets oh. in 2014. Did she really? SVU. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. SVU. And that's before she becomes president, by the way. SVU. Wait, she, I gave up on that show in the very, like, Leslie they Nope. They do a flash forward and it seems like she. Leslie Nope became president. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that's. They talk about in that article how SVU has all these career women who don't have kids. Now, two of the characters in SVU um, starting in 2015. Does Olivia Benson have it? Olivia Benson adopted a son and then a colleague of hers who's yeah. on the show now has two kids. And okay. they're always kind of dealing with um, child care challenges and that kind of thing. So that that was an interesting kind of shift. So all of a sudden, these career women are having babies. We have Blackish, yeah, Rainbow. She is a a doctor. She's yeah. biracial. She's interested in giving her kids the life that she didn't have. She's very she's very ambitious. She's very successful. Um, so that's. She, but her kids are a little bit older, but then she did have a baby on the show. But 
But then we hit, oh, this is my sweet spot right here. Okay. Then we hit Jane the Virgin. Now, let me talk to you about Jane the Virgin for okay. a minute. Because it seems like a ridiculous, ridiculous premise. Because you're talking about a immaculate conception, essentially. Yeah. Right? So you've got someone who through in vitro mistakenly got the IVF of this very wealthy man's, he became a mom to this very wealthy man's child. And the point is the plot is like, it's a telenovela. So it's it's completely awesome. Yeah. And awesome. But one of the things that's so interesting is that, and, and I think, I think there's a couple different things here. First of all, there's two characters on Jane the Virgin who are millennial women who become moms. One is Jane, and then there's there's another character. Hmm. But I think what we're seeing here once we hit 2014 and then moving forward is we're seeing this response to the huge boom in millennial motherhood, right? So right. we have a, we will share a little infographic that we have about how how that shifted, what that looked like, and what that meant about the purchasing power of of moms at that age. And so, anyway, yeah. So coming back to Jane the Virgin, I'm telling you, there's so much to cover here. <laughs> What's interesting about Jane the Virgin is that typically when you have pregnancies on a show, like we talked about in Friends and Sex in the City, you've got like the pregnancy happens and then the baby happens and the baby is somehow six month old and like very, right. you know, you, you've got that kind of a chubby cheeked scooting around baby. Yeah, all of a sudden it's a toddler. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But what I think is so fascinating about Jane the Virgin. So she has this baby and she de- deals with things like in the first like what happens when you have a baby immediately, right? So like the getting mastitis, struggling to breastfeed, right? fearing that you let your baby lie on his back too long, sleep deprivation, running out of diapers, fear of leaving the house, like all of these yeah. things that come up that are real experiences of postpartum depression came up on the show, right? Mm-hmm. That are real real experiences of what it's like to be a new mom that I, that we hadn't come anywhere near seeing before in television. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was, and she, she develops her career. So when she's in school or she just, yeah, she's in school and she's working as a waitress when she gets pregnant, but then she develops into an author. And so she, she, there's one great scene where she goes on a writer's retreat and she has to decide to stop breastfeeding. To, really? To stop, to stop oh, her. my God. That's awesome. I mean, those are real concerns. You know, like the feelings of like, am I, you know, am I somehow cutting it off for my for my selfish needs? And yeah, yeah that's awesome. So, yeah. And then she had, you know, when her son became school age, they had like, they had plot lines about like school districts and like did they they really just hit everything right on the nose. It was a fantastic, fantastic show. Totally ridiculous, but really fantastic. Then the show that 
that I'm going to take us to, there's a, there's a, a lot of honorable mentions that I can, that I can bring up for us, but the show that I think has really hit the nail on the head and, and obviously the name is very revealing. It's called, it's a show called Workin' Moms. Oh yeah. I used to see the poster for that. And that was another one where I was like, well, I don't know. I'm living in, I can't tell if I want to spend any more. <laughs> I didn't want to watch it. And then my sister-in-law, who we've talked about on the show before, who now is mom of two, she, I don't know if she was pregnant at the time or if she was just thinking about becoming a mom. And she said that she really loved the show. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. It is the most realistic depiction, I think, of, well, I don't know if it's the most realistic depiction, but it, it's definitely hits the nail on the head in terms of, in terms of looking at what these career driven women, it's a multiracial group, what it's like to have them kind of develop in their career. So Kate is a career woman who's trying to readjust to her big shot job and leaving her baby at home. And Anne is a psychologist who's struggling to connect with her daughter. This is the beginning of the show. And Frankie is a real estate agent who suffers from postpartum depression. And Jenny is an IT specialist with a stay-at-home husband who doesn't work so he can focus on the screenplay. And they address pumping in the bathroom. There's a great scene. That, there's it. so much yep. that they, they cover <laughs> on the show. But pumping in the bathroom stall, as I said, postpartum depression, a scene where a character starts crying because someone jokes at her, is your baby calling the nanny mommy yet? And she starts crying. Oh my God. Yeah. They deal with mommy shame. They deal with breastfeeding. One of the characters gets actually turned on while she's, while she like, they really go for these very scandalous kind of push the envelope topics. So like she's pumping and she gets turned on. Abortion is one that came up in the show. So one of the moms gets pregnant with her second and then very shortly gets pregnant with her third. And she doesn't want to have the child and they do like a pros and cons of like what it's what is it going to mean for their family and i mean you know it, it brings up a lot of very yeah. intense political issues but it's fascinating and it's canadian so it's um so they're super polite they're, su- <laughs> they're super polite and there's just different social norms there but they also deal with mommy shame so mommy guilt, mommy shame, and then relationship issues that come out of new motherhood. So there's there's a lot to show from this show. I have to say, I think what, it, it's just hilarious. It's just a hilarious take. And I think what I like the most is that there's this community that these moms have with each other that while they're going through you know, all of these different, like, it's not just one character going through the changes. Right. The one working mom. Yeah. Right. It's this group of working moms who are all going through it together and they're all kind of facing these different aspects of working mom challenges. And, um, yeah, it's a great show. I highly, highly recommend it. So there's, there's other ones, other not mentioned shows that, that got an honorable mention. Gilmore Girls, Parenthood, 
Did you ever see Parenthood? No, I I just don't need to cry every week. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a big fan either. But I I did pull some people, and these are the ones that I that I got. Yeah. Big Little Lies, The Letdown, Catastrophe. The Big Little Lies I watched. I also read the book because I love Leanne Moriarty. She really knows. It's the same book over and over again. It's the same basic format, but like done in a new, interesting way every single uh-huh. time. And I love it every single time. But were those moms working? I guess the yeah, yeah. the Shylan, uh, whatever her name is, uh, she's the single, the young single mom, right? Yeah. And then uh, Laura Dern was working. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I mean, that was a whole was we- thing. And as I try to figure this stuff out, um, because what's her name? Oh my God. What is her name? What, Australian? Who is the Australian one? Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Oh my God. That was a brain spasm right there. Oh, yeah. Is it that she's um, the only one who's not? Because Reese Witherspoon is, she runs the community theater. Right. Yeah. No, that's possible that Nicole mm. Kidman is. Yeah. Well, that it's like, and now we flipped it where it's like unusual that in this group of women, there would be, and of course she's the most in trouble of all of them. Sure. And Zoe Kravitz. Right. She's a yoga teacher. Yeah. Yes. So, huh. So that one. I was so excited to see that almost to the point of like when I first saw Little House on the Prairie, which really? by the way, also a working mom. Oh, true. I loved Little House on the Prairie book so much. And when the TV show came on, I watched the first episode with my book open in the dark on a little tiny TV, you know, like sitting as the sun went down to get to stay up to watch Little House on the Prairie. But again, I wonder if uh, we see all those women in the Westerns and the like as working moms, because they were. (laughs) They were. That's true. That's true. But I think we don't. That's interesting. Because, you know, you go further back and um, I was just watching uh, an old movie with Kay Davis and she is a like Broadway star and uh, she's running from a abusive. She had changed her name, become a big star. Yes, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do something where people would see your face everywhere if you're trying to you know hide? But uh, working mother and it's all the and then she has to abandon the kid for a while to go try to like pull off the abusive guy from the family, like hide the daughter and the like, but it's all about sacrifice. Like the melodramatic sacrifice of being a working mother. Mm. You know? Yeah. And what I like is just mothers that work, mothers that work. That's all I want, you know, like, and then all the decisions that come because you've got a lot of things going on in your complicated life. Right. No, very true. Very true. I always note the working mother in anything. Like I, like I always have to oh, say yeah, something. For you sure. know, like, right? For sure. No, and there actually one one more honorable mention. There's so many, but this show called Love Life on HBO. Oh, I don't know that one. So the first season, it sort of follows someone through their sort of relationship evolution. So the first season was. Anna Kendrick. And the second season is, I think his name is William James Harper, who's a black man who goes through, he's initially married to a white woman and then they divorce. And then he goes through 
a series of relationships. And then at the end of his season, he gets together with this woman and they, and she's supporting them while she has the baby. She's supporting them. I guess they got married. I don't remember that part, but (laughs) she, she, she's supporting them while he writes his book. Like investing in their, you know, like keeping the family afloat kind of as an investment while he works on his thing. Right. So it just kind of comes in there. Which is a very common scenario. Let me tell you. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So there's, yeah, I mean, I definitely take note of, of when I see working moms on TV, but it, but it's interesting. Like when I'm, when I went through the list of all of the shows right now, it's just, there's such a proliferation. We're not seeing the same kind of symbolic right. representations that we were seeing before. Either having to hold a torch for all working mothers everywhere. Right. Or you're somehow damaged because you're a working mother, which sometimes, you know, like, you know, the uh, working mother that comes to mind, like you don't think about it, but they are starting to reference if we loved uh, Hacks with Gene Smart. Yeah. As like Joan Rivers, basically, you know, like a, a Joan Rivers type comedian. And she's uh, she's got a grown daughter who um, is awesome by the woman in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, whose name escapes me. But she is tremendous. Yeah, Caitlin something. Stewart? Something nope. like that. No? Okay. But she's she's awesome. And I look at that as being kind of Caitlin's age. And uh-huh. looking, you know, like I, I, I like seeing the working mother of a grown kid. Yeah. Because it, it's like, oh, it references stuff about like the decisions that mom made. And I imbue it with a lot of like, yeah, there wasn't wasn't a lot of options. And that was really a tough choice to go mm-hmm. for your career. And then to, you know, anyways, I like I because again. I always note that that's a working mom. And so uh-huh. what happened? And there's an awesome line in that thing because the daughter's been kind of shown to be like a screw up and it's always got like starting something new and the mother kind of, you know, will bail her out and they have a troublesome relationship. But at one point <laughs> they're literally going to a drive through. Yeah. The new drive through uh, wedding with her husband. She's or husband to be that she's met like two minutes ago or whatever. Right. And the 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 writer girl, the millennial writer girl, turns to her and says something and <laughs> Caitlin, the, the character says, Oh, I went to Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, of course you're like hardworking mother, you know, like yeah, you went to a good college. You know, like <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Just, exactly. I exactly. love the, that that kind of thing. Another good portrayal of a of a of a mom and her adult daughter and it's pretty funny and that's a little bit less contemporary but there are some good some good representations there and then when you when you see one that it's like oh come on you know like has anyone in the writer's room had a kid because you do not know what you're talking you know i find it off-putting right right uh well that is awesome So thank you. That's an interesting take on, I feel like in my head, I can see the arc of like, you know, we're, we're cracking through, you know, we have to be the perfect mom and everything has to be a special issue to, oh, uh, we're taking great pride in this to, 
like even like the Sex and the City era or, you know, Friends, Phoebe had triplets as a surrogate. And it was like, it was kind of like, she's the wacky one. So she would do, you know, like now, can we talk about infertility and surrogacy for, you know, like that these are issues. And I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting to see this evolution continue. So thank you. Sure. Thank you. That was super fun. I'd love to do another round on stay-at-home dads with working mothers. Uh-huh. Because for a while, that seemed to be the only way you were allowed to have a working mother. Was, right. You know, and that somehow the working dad was less because he was, you know, taking the lead on some of the at-home parenting stuff. So right. let's, we could do that one too. We could do the sure. working dads. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, can't wait to hear from the listener who's written this, (laughs) (laughs) written the pH, the thesis. Thank you. We can't wait. We'll have you on. I swear it, but you got to tell us. (laughs) You got to get us, get us. All right. Until next week. Keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.